extra butter podcast i feel like uh like this is like the season of like i'm just not focused on work right now you know what i mean i'm what so is that, not- what is that weird thing people are saying lately uh quiet quitting or some shit like that uh, i've heard about that well, I, don't what, know, I don't really, really understand that, that whole mean? thing i oh, dude i knew it and then i was like yeah i agree with that and then i totally forgot what it was well, <laughs> i agree with it <laughs> i don't know fucking quiet internet quitting meaning yes yeah, it's the first it's the first quiet whatever i shouldn't quiet even award i feel bad i wore this i love the patriots but they had such an ugly loss i don't even know if i should have wore this hat right now ah, that's all good all right quiet quitting is an application of work to rule in which an employee work with in which employees work within defi- or work within defined work hours and engage in work-related activities solely within these hours despite the name oh. The philosophy okay. of quiet quitting is not connecting to quitting a job outright, but rather doing precisely what the job requires. Performance of quiet quitting also referred to as acting your wage. So pretty much <laughs> being like, I work the hours of nine to five. Yeah. If you need me to stay longer, that's not my fucking job. I like how they call it quitting when it's basically just like a good work-life balance. Yeah, like doing people what are, you were That people are do. now. Yeah, nobody wants to be <laughs> that, that 90s lawyer that like ignores his kid. Ah, you're like oh, I, I, gotta, I, gotta, baby. I got a case. Everyone wants to actually have a a, a well balanced life, yeah, and they life. call it quitting. Uh, another no, late I... night, babe. You're you're, <laughs> you're six times this week, and it's only Tuesday. Like how is only that possible? Tuesday. You yeah. should just get an apartment in the city. Nothing will go wrong if you have a separate house. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to my second office, babe. I'll be back. You know, you know what Lee calls that? He calls that I just work here. <laughs> Facts. So, that's man. my number one favorite thing. He's just like, hey, what are you doing today? What's going on? I'm like, bro, I don't know. I just nice. work here. Just work here, dog. I'm I just think... quiet. I'm just quietly quitting here. How about what's... that? Yeah. What's interesting <laughs> is I feel like, at least where I work, like, I feel like you, it's like unsaid things, right? Like, we're told hmm. you need to clock out at seven, right? You need to, like, you need to leave at seven. But I don't think I get promoted without spending weeks on weeks staying past seven. Yeah, because then it's like, oh, Cam goes above and beyond. So we're they call that him. dedication now, right? Yeah, sure, right. But then it's like, how is that fair to the other people that have kids or like can't do that? Like, I have a family, and like staying past seven is just not realistic for me. Well, you mm-hmm. know, Cam did, but like I'm, I don't yeah. have any kids. I don't have any responsibility. It's, it's unfair to base, yeah, to base you on someone else. And of course, I'll never say that out loud. But it's like yeah. the the I'm in in my pod. I'm there's two of us in the role that I have that's right under the manager of our pod and both of us don't have kids. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's so like you could be flexible. Yeah. Right. So it's like if if they need us me to stay till 10 or come in on a Saturday, it's like, oh, well, Cam probably can do it because so and so has kids. and They have soccer or whatever it is. You know, It's just like it's not fair. You know what I mean? I think I think quiet quitting came about because people were tired of, you know, the slacker dude getting away with everything and nobody bothering him. While you were the guy who did everything above and beyond, but then when you stepped out of bounds, they were like, "Hey, you're out of control." <laughs> you're like, you know what? Then fine. When you ask me to stay late and you're not gonna pay me, you ain't gonna see me. Yep, yep, yep. It's like those TikToks where they're like, "Oh yeah, this is this is PTO." Yeah, I'm just letting you know it's not a request. Oh, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm on the PTO, plane right now. Yeah, PTO means uh, prepare the others. No. Prepare the others. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on a plane to Bermuda right now, so uh, Johnson's not- gonna have to give that big pitch. I'm telling you, man, I'm not, I'm not asking. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. I wish I could have the goal to do something like that. Ooh, I, hey, you're taking we days talking, off? Uh, 
we were talking about AMC the other day, and you guys were talking about how oh, you yeah, guys yeah, couldn't yeah. take it. I, I I never knew that. I never knew you guys like couldn't take time off. That for it real? was never in writing, but it was one of those like just feelings that everyone understood. Like Dylan could like, never come in and be like, "Hey guys, yeah. like I'm going somewhere for a week." That you couldn't. You felt like you couldn't do that. I guess you could, but the BS part of that role was like you reach management, like you're gonna sit in an office chair once in a while. Yeah, but then you didn't gain uh you know sick days or vacation or anything like that like you didn't get anything you know what i mean that's why quiet quitting is a thing there's no law it's it's no longer like oh yeah you get this you get benefits you get whatever that's why the other day you said something about paternity leave and i was like yeah paternity for dudes for dudes like like not maternity i was like what company gives paternity like yeah i gotta hack up a lung and they're still like you know but you're coming in right and my job's like I think it's two months, which is like That's insane fantastic. for a guy. Like for yeah. I mean, for I think women is like I think mandatory three months. I think some women don't even have that luxury. But yeah. as a guy, it's like to get two is insane. Like it's, it's just sad like, wow. to live in a spot where like something that's considered decent behavior, you mm-hmm. know, and understanding is like no. None of that. None of that. Is a like you gotta like you gotta lucky. burn your sick days. So if you're gonna get yeah. sick, just plan on not being sick. Yeah. Control don't, your body. Don't be Control sick for a body. year because you, you know <laughs> having a kid is sick. And you're yeah. gonna be using that. Yeah, crazy. Bro. But anyway, bro, you just don't want to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just don't want to work. You got pregnant on purpose. It's like we working at the why. fucking crusty crab. Oh man. <laughs> you like crabby patties don't you squidward <laughs> all right y'all we live welcome to <laughs> extra butter extra extra your podcast for great conversation and great movies you mm. are listening to the halloween episode this is tam this is d john and d long did you, i can't even remember when we did our like original episodes did you use that great conversations quote thing uh so i used it in the um i don't remember where that came from no i used it in the uh, i think what it was a, the home a, alone episode oh okay. it was our it, not our first one was i think princess switch right I think that was one of our first ones. I mean, no, we had other ones before that, but I, I don't know. It was something holiday. Yeah, some holiday. But I think the second one I used it on, and then the podcast, like people start listening to it, and then someone wrote like, "I like that tagline." Like they yeah. put in like a. Uh, oh, it's fire! Yeah, it's exactly. I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll keep using it." Like I, I don't know what yeah. made me say it, but I'll keep. No, using that's it. that's something I'd put on like a poster with jets. You know, like <laughs> one of those motivational posters. But it's yeah. just like teamwork and there's just like four jets and i was like well i wish i could jet the hell out of here yeah you know yeah, yeah. those I'm posters not... are just everywhere in an old office and they're never new looking they're like the chinese food menu pictures like Bro. they just look like they're 20 years old Bro. right when you put them up i'm telling you right now i i cannot confirm nor deny that in my ebay cart <laughs> i have a yo yo ma got milk or no yo yo ma read poster in Yo, we were talking car. about that, man. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, after our conversation, I went, I was like, I found them for like three bucks. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I, I need that Yo Yo Ma repost. I need bro. it, man. Yo Yo Ma. Something bro. like that. Like, they're just freaking classic. Like, they got books, like stacks of books around them, and then like yep. fake fruit. You exactly. know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like, read, but they're also like promoting vegetables, you know? Yep. Yep. That was back it's when. It's uh, beautiful marriage. 
like I think it's uh, proven a myth now. But back again when we were talking about got milk, like remember it was like drink like eight glasses of milk a day. Remember it was like an absurd amount of milk. Like he it was like a so bodybuilder much. that carries a gallon of water around yeah. with him, and he's like, you got to stay hydrated. It's Strong like yeah, bones. yeah. Like I you might as well just carry a, a fucking Chick Fil A cow on your back and just. Get it right. straight from the exactly. source whenever you need it. And now there's like 18 different kinds. There's oat milk, almond yep. milk, peanut yep. milk. And I'm like, yep. back when I was growing up, it was like 2% whole chocolate yep. strawberry. Like pick And one, skim you know? milk was like the evil stepsister. Yeah. Like if you were yeah. drinking 2% or like, bro, you're drinking water. Like what are we talking yeah, about? Yeah. Anything man? less than 2%, you might as well just put some food coloring and some water <laughs> and call it an evening. And, and throw it in your cereal. Yeah. You're um, basically eating cereal at Craig's house. We ain't got no milk. <laughs> Put some water on that. Put some water on that. What is he eating? Captain Crunch? I think it is Captain Crunch. Yeah. I think, yo, can you imagine the sharp edges of Captain Crunch oh, with man. only water? <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, so if we're talking, if we're talking top five cereals for Dylan, what's his top five? Well, literally, the last job I worked, we yeah. had this conversation three times. About and it always took it always took place a couple months apart, and somehow everyone else in the company forgot we had this conversation. Yeah. And every single time I looked at everybody like are you high like we had this top five debate about cereal did anyone ever change their answers i don't know i don't, I don't really answer. remember <laughs> i just knew we kept having the conversation, same conversation about the cereal well, i think me, yeah give me yours if you, since you've had this conversation before you should know man i'm not gonna that, put them in rip. order because that's probably that's gonna fine. be too hard uh that's captain fine. crunch packs and the all the, berry the, captain the OG crunch brand? is pretty good okay, yeah okay, 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 yeah okay. i like the ogs um raisin bran which is weird what there's a there's something about the combination of raisins and milk that's like a weird mixture raisins are fire i can't lie to you it's my favorite a lot of people don't like raisins i like oh you ever had raisin uh oatmeal like oatmeal raisin cookie nah like literally oatmeal with raisins in it nah never bro yo oatmeal (laughs) there's like quaker got this like raisins and spice oatmeal it's kind of it's pretty much just like the maple brown sugar flavor with raisins yeah in it. all i'm so thinking good, about though. is the oatmeal with the dinosaur eggs yeah that's delicious yeah that is that's fire that's fun and delicious that's fire that's okay that is uh, all right go ahead uh captain crunch and then raisin brand uh cocoa pebbles okay all right cocoa pebbles that's a solid choice what the fudge else i'm just forgetting cereal oh there's this generic cereal i used to buy called crispy hexagons crispy hexagons yeah it was basically it was basically checks mix but it's shaped like a hexagon and it was the generic cereal you could buy out the box and you sprinkle a little you sprinkle a little sugar on that you know to keep the dentist away my god it's fucking delicious it's It's basically checks yeah yeah (laughs) but the hexagon shape ergonomically scientifically provides some sort of a flavor booster i can't i don't know it's wow. fucking delicious did you throw sugar on this oh yeah yeah fuck oh, okay. those teeth i just yeah. threw sugar all over that thing yeah, yeah it's like, delicious. it needs some sugar but hey man i it, it i'm sure it's filled with uh with some kind of nutrients and the last one is probably uh probably honey nut cheerios just a classic classic dog that it's is a classic, classic cereal. yeah what about you cereal. what you got what you got Throw yeah captain crunch captain crunch for sure Captain Crunch. Um, I'm a, see, so I'm a huge Golden Grams fan. Golden Grams, bro. I love Golden Grams, dog. I could eat, go. I could eat a whole, I could eat the whole box. Golden Grams. See, I think the love for cereal, you know, is personified when you don't have milk. 
Like if you don't have milk and you Ex- can just that's eat exactly it dry, my point. That's when you're like, this is my this is the best cereal I've ever had See, in my life. Okay, so this is what comes to my next point. Frosted flakes. Yep. Because frosted flakes with milk sitting in it for a little too long, it just becomes a soggy mess. But if you it, I'm talking about like you yeah. got you got maybe like 30 seconds to finish that. Oh. Bowl. You know what you I mean? If it. that, if that. Yeah. But if you're if it's like a but some milk, frosted flakes, and it's like still crunchy, oh, that's just solid cereal, bro. Yeah, it's and then, that's uh, why they give babies the little boxes of cereal mm-hmm. and frosted flakes. Yeah, they yeah, work right, really so what well. I dry. Three. I think and so. And then I got, uh, oh man, oh man. See, because I, <laughs> I want, I want to say Apple Jacks. Those are good. Those are fire. And then I want, I see. Here's my issue, I, and I'm gonna throw it. I know it's my fifth spot. I'm gonna throw Lucky Charms in there, but hmm. again, if you give me a bowl of Lucky Charms and it's in that ratio of marshmallow to cereal is off, mm-hmm. I can't do it, my guy. That yeah, sounds you need, very. You uh, need enough third world problem of me. Yeah, but it's just like I. I it's real. Giving me the cereal, I, hey man. Yeah, it's real. Like, yeah, I don't want this. Anymore, bro. It is definitely real. Yeah, can't do it. The Apple Jacks, the the commercial freaked me out. Yeah, it was a like Jamaican. Yeah, like stick. the Rastafarian cinnamon stick. <laughs> It was racist, but like I Absolutely. think you overlooked it because the cereal was good. I don't even and know then, what a Rastafarian like. Who pitched that? I. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what a mascot. the world of cereal is a competitive sport. It's a hip hop hey, world. Got to get with it to get lost. Hey, and then like the apple Reese's was just puff. like Reese's a crab puff. apple. He was just yeah. like an ass. Yep. So I was like, you never rooted for him. Of course, you rooted for the cinnamon stick. Yep. Yeah, Reese's Puff. Some of the commercials were just where it was at. It didn't even matter what the cereal was. Yeah. The yep. cereal could be ass, but if the commercial was fire. Hey, man. Marketing, dog. Marketing. But marketing. speaking of amazing marketing and just a, a, a filmmaker of his time, mm. we are talking in this Halloween episode about Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. This is the movie that your favorite horror movie is inspired by this movie in some way, shape, or form. And some somehow, dude, this movie is. I, I, oh yeah, the story I was gonna tell you. My pops was a huge fan of Alfred Hitchcock. And I remember oh, for really? his birthday. Oh, my dad's one of the biggest fans of Alfred Hitchcock. And one one year, I bought him for his birthday the Alfred Hitchcock like complete series. It had like this. Yeah. Uh, the that Blu-ray pack they had. Exactly. Yeah. I had that at, at one at, point at a, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and a bunch like a bunch of his. And uh, so I've seen Psycho plenty of times, but like it's 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 almost like uh and i don't even know i don't even know what i'm trying to say like it's the amount of movies that are inspired by this movie yeah. is insane like it's, it's kind of equivalent to like how many people like come and branch off of like beatles music like yeah, it's just an inspiration right. like everyone's like who's your favorite rapper kanye like it is just this tree that everything branches off of in right. a way, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like it's like from going from now, like movies you'll see now to when John Carpenter made Halloween, every yeah. horror director can be like, "Oh yeah, I this this was influenced by Psycho in some yeah. way shape or form." You know what I mean? It's it's Yeah, whether I, it's uh, editing, music, camera, direction, oh, man, style. The score dog, the score is insane. Off the chain. Uh but yeah, we're talking this was a Dylan pick as is if you've been uh following the podcast, Dylan is our resident film historian. Um, Hi, how are you? Right, uh, and he uh, he picked this one, but this is a fantastic pick for Halloween because again, there is there is <laughs> I almost, no. I almost said lock up your daughters because I'm just gonna tell them about <laughs> classic films. 
but you don't want that to happen. You don't want to be bored. Donate the man for you. But if there is a lucky lady out there that enjoys a classic film, film or two, yeah, get ready to yeah. be bored. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking psycho. Man. That's funny. Uh, yeah, we're, but yeah, I'm man, ready this... to watch the three hour seven samurai because uh, <laughs> we might watch it, dude. This dog is like kicking down my door, like it's a John Wick film. Yeah, it's... many people don't know this. When we film at right now, we're filming, uh, we're filming or we're recording over Zoom. But some, but most of the time we do uh, record in person. And when Dylan is, when I'm at Dylan's crib, his dog Hinata, which I don't even know what, uh, what, what, um, what breed is Hinata? What, what breed is she? She is half Maltese, half Shih Tzu, all attitude. She runs that. She runs that house. She is. She she demands to go out. She demands yep. to come in. She demands to sit up. She de- she makes demands and you and you meet them. There is and no. She you don't pays have an option. Zero bills. <laughs> she pay, fucking freeloader. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, but yeah, man. We're to. Uh, I just want, let's. I, I'll, I'll let you get into the history of the film because I know. Luckily, I do know a lot about this film too, just by my dad being a huge fan. So, but go for it, man. Uh, okay, so talking about Psycho, released in 1960. It was made post North by Northwest when Hitch was. Uh, that was a big hit, right? Like that movie did it, really well. North by Northwest came out in '59 with Cary Grant was fucking huge, right? It's interesting in a way because it's in a lot of ways it's like a Bond film in that it's a mm-hmm. it's like a mystery plot and spies and things like that, and it's almost like a like a less sexist Bond movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and Hitchcock, I believe, owed one more picture to Paramount. He had a deal with them at the time. And they said, hell no to this movie. Um, <laughs> Psycho was released. It's actually a book by Robert Block. And it was released like two years prior. And it's about a hotel, you know, motel proprietor, Norman Bates. And in the book, he's actually like overweight and actually a drunk and whatnot. And, you know, the yada, 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 kills Marion, blah, blah, blah. And... Right. Hitch's assistant um, actually recommended it to him because at the time the studios would actually have like researchers that would go out into the field, read books, look at little things, and they would, you know, gauge whether or not they were actually, you know, appropriate for a film that they could be adapted into a screenplay. And then they'd approach, you know, that author and offer them a fat stack of greens, you know, to adapt it. And Paramount's readers had already passed on it. But Hitch's assistant, who, you know, he trusted to actually give him stories and, you know, little leads, you know, had gave him the book. He read it, immediately purchased it and went after it. Um, it, So, of course, you know, he went to Paramount with it and Paramount said, hell no, like it's a, you know, it's a book with murder and sex and all this crazy stuff in it. And so Hitch actually had to finance the movie out of his own pocket. Mm. out of his own quarters and dimes and he utilized most of his film crew from alfred hitchcock presents which was a tv show at the time mm-hmm. that was being produced through uh, universal shot on universal lot and then just distributed by paramount so the film was made for zero dollars which i think attributes to just how like concise and how tight it is and shot in black and white to make it cheaper it was agreed to by stars and you know, pretty much everyone involved to take a pay cut so they could make it for as cheap as they possibly could, which I think was like under a million. And which didn't is pretty, he, pretty nuts. he got he got a 
he got a a percentage of he got some kind of percentage because they thought the movie was gonna do poorly, right? Yeah, I think it said something about him getting like sixty percent of like the film's negative or something like that. Yeah, because it got kind of like the same thing. Like George Lucas got like merchandising because they were like, whatever, bro, this movie's yeah, gonna be ass. And then yeah. like, yeah, and then ends up blowing up. Um, yeah, yeah he. I know that he eventually actually like sold what he had off to MCA Universal and then later Paramount sold all their stuff. So eventually all of Hitch's stuff just like got conglomerated at Universal. So mm. I was going to say you make all the deals and yeah, but when it came out, it, it had like mixed reviews. It had, you know, low numbers and then that eventually kind of turned itself around. Yeah. I think um, this is a, this movie kind of, um, it's it's a movie where I think everyone kind of knows the 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 twist before you've seen it. Like obviously yeah. at the time, uh, Hitchcock had like theater rules. You couldn't come in late to go see the movie, um, and then obviously there was the, like, please don't spoil it. Um, but as the years have gone on, like I was spoiled about this movie well before I saw it. I knew yeah. kind of what the this the the twist was, but this is one of those movies that probably number one movie that i wish i knew nothing about before i saw it yeah i wish i could have been like one of those first moviegoers yeah exactly because it's like the way this is the first one to do it like it's the first one to be like wait what yeah it's it's kind of in the vein of like empire strikes back where you're going in you already know darth vader's his father and you just kind of rely on the film being good to to push you through but if you sat in that seat in 1960 and all of a sudden, like you saw that, you know, Bates's mom was a skeleton, I'd be like, what the f- <laughs> dude <laughs> would have gone yeah. home shook. <laughs> and let's, 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 let's talk about it. Right. So the movie, uh, stars, oh man, I forget that one. Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Um, Janet Lee is actually Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Fun fact, Scream Queen's Fun mom. The, the OG Scream Queen, honestly. Yes. Yes. And Janet um, Lee, honestly, people should really dig into her films because she's a freaking terrific actress oh yeah and uh, really also good. anthony perkins plays norman bates, norman bates one of the best arguably, movie characters ever arguably his best role ever yeah that he ever had honestly he's so freaking good at sinking into this role oh yeah who else was in this movie i forget all the names at this point uh... oh vera miles uh, played lila which is marion's sister and Vera yeah. Miles is from a really famous uh, Twilight Zone episode where she's in the bus station. And right. She kept like going up to the to the guy and he was like, oh, you just asked me what time it was. And there's actually like a double of her. That shit. Is yep, great, yep, yep, yep. Great, great episode. I um, really love that one. And yeah. Hitch, uh, Hitchcock's daughter made it into this one, too. Look at Hitchcock. Look at nepotism finding its way in 1960. <laughs> He's in a couple of his films, like uh, Strangers on a Train, as well. Yeah, she's she's in this one as like one of the associates in the uh, real estate office. Now, I thought and the then, cool thing about this movie, like again, being the film nerds that we are, when this movie was like uh, uh, marketed, that's why I was talking about marketing earlier. It the the marketing for this movie was like Hitchcock just like like walking around like the set. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, right? It's like him being like, this house. It's not just an ordinary house. Like, it's just like, oh, okay. This is the site of a murder. Yeah. (laughs) There's been another murder. 
murder, you say? Exactly. I do declare. Exactly. Well, I call it murder, not muck duck. Oh, no, when they, they played this film back in like 2015, like Turner Classic Movies did a, mm-hmm. did a run on it. And I saw it with my dad. And before they played the film, they played like that 10 minute, you know, segment of Hitchcock just walking around the set being yeah. like, oh, right here was a murder. <laughs> she put the pieces of toilet in the in the thing and yeah and you're just like this is fucking fantastic like yeah, it i could watch like it. i could watch this all day like he just he could just be in bed bath and beyond and be like this is where the brooms are the brooms <laughs> and they'd be like no way this isn't, an, isn't an ordinary ceiling fan <laughs> <laughs> okay alfred i'm interested like, okay. brother and then just the last shot is just him in one of those massage chairs just letting it letting it work letting it work <laughs> this come chair see, come see how my much movie. is it come yeah. see my movie come see my movie <laughs> uh but yeah the marketing uh but yeah if, if you don't know the the movie uh centers around i forget the is it marion crane what's the yeah. marion crane well no because uh, isn't it like because this is one of those first movies too where it's like the the person you think is going to be the lead dies and yes. then it's like which is like again another first where it's like wait what so she's yeah. okay we're, we're we're getting introduced to the main character in the second half or like the I guess after the first act yeah um, in that in that novel it mostly takes place from Norman's perspective right but they they shifted his character so much so that he went from being like ugly to actually kind of likable so then you're believing the whole time that he's just covering up the mother's murder you know right if really anything him. You- because you, you mentioned it earlier that in the book, uh, Norman is like you know schlobby, yeah, not attractive, and uh, I don't, I, I maybe you can speak to this. I don't know if uh, Alfred Hitchcock's uh, attempt was to make him more attractive, but I think because of that, yeah, you're sympathetic to him. You're just like, yeah, Man, they this they poor wanted guy, you to kind of you know? align with him, and it makes the shift easier because it is it, it is insane because um, you know, she was uh, Lee was getting you know a lot of attention you know a lot of you know build up and she was becoming like a bigger and bigger star and it's crazy to then come into the film watch it and then you know a third of the way in she's just done and then you're now switching perspective to another character and it's it's a risky move to then ask the audience to latch on and like this other character right so the fact that you do feel sympathetic you don't really think it's him you actually kind of like him because you feel for his situation that he's in. It's it's yeah. Incredible. If anything, you just watch the movie like this brother's just trying to run a business and his mom keeps killing yeah. all the tenants. Like what's <laughs> come on, man? Like we try to like, we gotta damn. keep some people in these board in these yeah, rooms. We're trying to make money. Didn't even pay. <laughs> Say, mom, do you give it a second? Goddamn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it it's incredibly risky, and and it's one of those things that like after this film did it it's so hard to do it again because i think a lot of people don't really realize like how how it was done you know what i mean like the care and attention that went into like doing that sort of risky maneuver and when they do it now it's just kind of like they did it for the shock factor they didn't actually do it to serve the story you know right now we're watching a clip of the shower scene there's like i think there was like an hour-long documentary on literally just this scene yeah like that's how much this film has been like research i'm sure you know in in film classes and film school they re- like it's this film yeah. is done i think this is the first movie that featured a toilet <laughs> i think so it's crazy is is overseas in like france they did not have you know any qualms about having nudity or different things in films but in america 
they had been slapped heavy with you know like decency laws and codes so you had to fight the censor for the longest time so you had mm. never actually like seen the toilet actually flushing and working and you know right. doing the actual toilet function on film so it was one of those things that he had to like hurdle over and it was like wow like i just watched terrifier 2 but a toilet ah, we sure get did the, get the f out of here you can't have a toilet in there you have a toilet, bro. <laughs> what are you talking about right now yeah they're the shower scene is one of those things that it's like it's been parodied so many times and i think exactly. that's when that's when you make it when someone parodies your film or if weird al parodies your song yeah you fucking made it it's just like it you you know you know you've made it when like you said like someone's parodied and it becomes pop culture like it's yeah not, it's that's, bigger than that's, the movie that's point. a beautiful yeah, way I mean, to put it yeah like, like when that. it transcends itself and becomes part of like the national conscious like that's right. when you're like oh you know word up like it's, a, it's to, a household thing now yeah we all know you know even though i heard it's a it's a he doesn't actually say this but like the luke i am your father he, he says something different right yeah he just says like no i am your father no i'm your father but like yeah we all have heard luke i am your father before even if you've yeah. never seen the movie yeah you know just, it you know it got I mean? like ingrained into the public conscious yeah, it's yeah. Just like it's this this scene this. and the uh bernard herman score that accompanies it is just one of those things ring, that it's like ring, ring, ring. absolutely oh, synonymous man, with him you know what i mean so it's crazy because it's like even if hitchcock only made like two films in his whole career he would still be like the a go a goaded character because it's just this is one of those films like Citizen Kane where they hold like entire like classes on them, like in colleges where they would just dissect like everything. Cause he's, he's famous for having his camera tell the story and doing these. This is one of the reasons why I like watching his films to go to sleep, which sounds mm -hmm. weird, but he's famous for this thing that he called like pure cinema, which was just picture. And then the sound that accompanied it, like no dialogue, no nothing. So there's lengthy mm. sections in his films that are just like quiet. And yeah. this film has this fucking perfect part where after she gets killed and you'll see him like run down here to check up on the body. Yeah. There's no dialogue for a huge amount of time. It's just him going through cleaning everything up, sinking the car. And I really love it because it just shows that like, if you're good at the craft and you know how to take this art form to the max, you don't need anybody getting dialogue. You don't have to spoon feed the audience. They could just watch it and groove with it. And it's beautiful. Yeah. See, okay. This is, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, this movie came out in 1960. And like you said, yeah. like the, 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 um, like letting the, like you said, like, oh, he doesn't have to spoon feed his audience. The only critique i have of this movie and it's not even really a critique because i understand it came out in 1960 is the ending where he spoon feeds you the ending like what oh yeah, yeah. like what happened like the, oh the psychiatrist like, see, norman tries to was, tell you yeah like he yeah. like they explained what norman was doing and to me it's like i i like i i wanted i almost wanted him to just be like just like oh like you, you figure it out you know but i get it because it's 1960 i feel like you have to explain it at that time like yeah, what? when you're watching when you're watching all these old fifties, forties films, they they spoon feed you, like, just you're sitting, spoon... like you're sitting in a high chair. Yeah, yeah, it's just like this is what you're. This is what you just saw. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and part of me, like, again, I know it's the time period. So it, when I say it's a critique, it's not really a critique because I understand why he did it. But it's like 
I just wish he didn't. I wish there was just like, yeah, you figure it out. You know what I mean? Like what what happened? You know, if the film was made now, I think it would it wouldn't be there. But we also absolutely yeah, we have that advantage of like 50 years of film hindsight, right? (laughs) On top of what? Yeah. Like this was, you know, 50 years into filmmaking and then now we have another 50 on top of it. So now we know, you know, what separates of, you know, one of those films from that kind of film. And it is to his credit is the only point in the film where he's like, oh, crap. Now I got to let the audience know what happened. Right. Exactly. Just in case they're a little confused. Yeah. That's exactly my point is that like you talked about how he wasn't doing in the beginning. I totally agree that he was kind of just being like letting the audience just see the events and be like, okay, Mm -hmm. what's happening. And, And at the end it felt like, okay, now I need to tell you it all because the movie's about to end. And I'm like, ah, I just wish, you know, you didn't do that. But again, I understand it. And again, yeah. if, if Alfred Hitchcock was alive and kicking today, um, yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't have shown it. I feel like it, his movies would be more highbrow than Jordan Peele. You know what I mean? Like, I know. Like, what did I just see? His what? other perfect example of like that quiet moment. You've mm. seen Rear Window before? Yeah, oh, yeah. In Rear Window there's just all these segments of Jimmy just watching from his window, trying to figure out the murderer. And there is one like whole extended piece where it was raining through the night. Mm-hmm. And it's, I swear it's like 10 minutes of just like silent rain. And it's, it's so easy to fall asleep too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, know that's why you like watching it. Then. I don't know why it's so comforting. Cause all of a sudden yeah. there's just nothing but just like quiet rain. And it, it's beautiful though, because it, it really is. It's like, if you're good enough at, at this, sort of storytelling medium then you don't need to have dialogue drive your way through it no definitely don't and again Uh, like if if the story is interesting enough like you're willing to sit there and and watch it and follow it i think psycho though we are highly desensitized nowadays when it comes to horror films like you know there's again we just saw terrified too right that's uh that is it doesn't get much more brutal than that movie no it does not (laughs) i feel you're right i feel like the all of the horrendous acts that happen in this movie happen not aren't captured on film. It's it's off. It's your mind is making up what is happening, right? The mm-hmm. shower scene, you see the the blood fall down the drain. You see her fall, but you're not really seeing her her being stabbed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're picturing what that is, you know. And I and I feel like Alfred Hitchcock kind of set the 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 bar for to me personally what is scary. Yeah. I always find that the scariest movies are the ones where if there's a movie monster or there's a paranormal movie or something, if I don't, like, if you show me an empty hallway that's black and I don't oh. see what's in the hallway, yeah. my mind is going to make up something way scarier than you can ever put on film. You know yeah. what I mean? Because, you know, and- hands down, one of the scariest things we've seen is that part in fucking It Follows where that really tall dude just walks in the doorway. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Oh like, yeah. There's nothing going on and then you're just like, "Oh shit." <laughs> exactly. Like it's just like there there's certain moments where it's like you what's happening off screen is is almost as scary as what they can show you on and yeah. Hitchcock or uh, Psycho is like the epitome of like these things are happening off screen, but I'm I mean, if you if you've never watched this movie, which is insane to me, it still holds up. Like I feel like it, this movie still holds up. It still has that that just uneasy factor once you figure out like what norman was doing this whole time it's like oh man this is a freaky creepy fucking little like guy you know what i mean yeah this dude walked up in a dress on a girl taking a shower and just stabbed her to death 
Like, yeah, that's brutal. crazy, bro. Like in 1960, my guy Hitchcock was like, "Yep, this is gonna be on film. I'm gonna this, we're gonna do it." We're what's do crazy it. too is the the book version. She just gets beheaded. What? Like it? It actually ends a chapter by being like, "Oh, then he she took gets off her beheaded head. in the yeah. shower." He just straight takes her head off with a knife, hey, or however yo. he does it. So actually, the film is tamer. But that's to wild. that audience at that point, it was wild. You know what I mean? I think another, it was another uh, movie that's uh, based off of. Uh, oh, I don't know if the book is, but it all feels like the all these like, especially those early like this movie, a lot of the '80s like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all based off that same serial killer, Ed Gein. Dude, the creepiest I was fucking reading, story you've oh ever read gosh. in your life. I was reading story. more about it earlier and just like looking over my shoulder. Because when I read about what he had in his house and there was an extensive Bro. ass list, horrible, dude. Horrible. So my, uh, for those who don't know, my father was a police officer for Baltimore City growing up. And he was a huge like uh, uh, true crime fan. So I used to like whenever i'd go downstairs and, and he'd be in his element watching his shows it literally always be something true crime and not this like you know like right now what's popular is the Dahmer series right everyone's really like trying to watch the Dahmer. and to me it's like everyone's like i can't believe jeffrey Dahmer did this but when i was growing up i knew who jeffrey Dahmer was because i was hearing my dad like yeah all, and whatever jeffrey Dahmer murders yeah. like it was watching- just like Watch an unsolved mystery. Yeah, like someone yeah. just tell you what happened rather than like a dramatization version. Yeah, uh, watching th- it more of a documentary style. Exactly. And I felt yeah. like it. those ones always scared me. But it was, to me, the scariest one I ever remember. Like to the point where like I was like, I have to go upstairs to my room because I'm so scared. Was my dad watching one on Ed Gein. Because Ed Gein was like, this dude is, is sick. Like he's out yeah. of his mind sick. You know what I mean? It's crazy because it's like, they had him on like two murders one to which he totally said he did and then they thought about another one but it was more about the fact that he was acting as dr frankenstein and just exhuming exhuming recently buried graves and then just taking the body parts and doing stuff with them like what the fudge yeah yeah i'll do a quick the wikipedia synopsis if you're interested and and you have the stomach for it oh lord uh Edward Gein, also known as the Butcher of Plainfield. So again, like a lot of your favorite horror movies, Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm fairly certain Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm pretty sure Wes Craven said he he drew some influence from Ed Gein. Um, Also known as the Butcher of Plainfield, was an American murderer and body snatcher. Gein's crimes committed around uh, his hometown of Plainfield, Wisconsin. Gathered widespread notoriety in 1957 after authorities discovered that he had exhumed corpses from local graveyards, uh, fashioned trophies, keepsakes, from their bones and skin. Gein also confessed to killing two women, tavern owner Mary uh, Hogan in 1954 and hardware store owner Bernice Warden in 1957. Now, what this, like, the cops showed up in this man's house. He had, like, bowls made of skull. When you think of uh, Leatherface and, like, oh, like, he wore people's faces, that's literally Ed Gein. He had people's faces, like, like he said he was wall. he said he was making a woman's suit to like yeah, be like his a, mom. A pure skin, yeah. And yeah. he was found out because again, the two people he murdered, he had them gutted in his shed. Uh, but people around this town of Wisconsin just knew him as the weird guy in town. He was just yeah. like, Oh, he's babysitted my kids before. He's a, you yeah, know, he comes to the little league games. Yeah, yeah, he's just like a normal guy, he's just a little weird guy. But like Meanwhile, he's out here going to your like you just had a funeral. And he's going straight to the graveyard, just digging your dead body up and bringing it home. So it's so Creepy, bad, dude. Bro. 
Make and oh, goals. and then also comparing what uh, again, and I don't know if the book is a direct like comparison to Ed Gein, but when they went into Ed Gein's home, it was uh, it, it was insane. But the only room that was untouched was his mother's room. His mother had passed away, and his mother's room was spotless. And he said, like, oh, I couldn't. It's my mom. I love my mom. And it's That's like so that, scary. isn't it? Yeah. And it's like that is it, whenever I, I see Norman Bates, I think of Ed Gein, like that, like, yeah, he, so obsessed with like his mom. And I didn't watch. Did you ever watch a lot of Bates Motel or not really? No, I never watched much of the show. Either, I saw dude. a couple episodes and I just didn't really like it. And I was like, Same. you know what? Forget it. Same, Forget bro. it. Same. I, I will say, true. I will say that I do kind of like the psycho sequels which are made like after mm. hitchcock pass in the 80s they had a lot of the flavor of like nightmare um sorry like friday the 13th sequels and whatnot where it was like you know partying teen kids and slasher things and whatnot but there's something like weirdly campy about them that i actually kind of enjoy mm. and they all had anthony perkins in it which actually made them better yeah it's kind of like watching the jaws sequels though where like Jaws <laughs> two is never gonna be there, but it's right. still kind of fun. Yeah, that's I, the only way I can. Des- that's the only way I could describe those. So I still kind of like them in a way. I, I got them on DVD. <laughs> yeah, then uh, and they and they do. To Hitchcock didn't because Psycho two came out when like the slasher thing like re like that's what made it. Re- yeah, like, in the 80s. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, it was yeah, after, I see it. I think it was after he passed too, which is I think kind of respectful to him at least that he didn't like, yeah. you know, do it while he was still alive and watch him be like, what the fudge? That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All I think the only thing that's not respectful is that remake with Vince Vaughn. Oh my gosh! So if people don't know, Gus Van Sant who is the same guy who did um oh, julianne moore you're in this oh, it was gus van Sant, right yeah same guy who did goodwill hunting yeah he did a color remake of psycho with fucking vince vaughn as anthony perkins and i've never seen something as miscast until i saw uncharted <laughs> 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 and uh it's not good, uh, but I liked watching it because I thought as an experiment, it was really cool, if that makes sense. It was almost as if somebody on YouTube was like, dude, let's do a shot-for-shot shot remake of this, but let's make it in color. And I was like, oh, that's a dope idea. But somehow they put a lot of money into it. <laughs> yeah, I, Dylan I knows did, this. I, I, I did think it was, it, was, it, it was weird. I, I did not. I just felt like you were just spitting on Hitchhiker's Grave a little bit. I, I Vince Vaughn is such a choice. It's such know. a choice. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think maybe like uh, someone uh, once told me like maybe if he did it with like a Tom Hanks, like someone again. Whoa, was that Viggo Mortensen? Yeah, I didn't realize Viggo was in there. I want like if you would have done somebody who's like just a little bit more like. Uh, like if you imagine like a, an actor that you're like you think is so lovable that yeah. that plays Norman Bates and it's a little bit more because again it's hard to capture what Hitch, what Hitchcock did with that original because if you didn't know the twist then it's like oh man like you feel so bad for this guy and it's like mm-hmm. if you would have casted an actor that's just a little bit more I don't know, Vince Vaughn always plays like the I, I, something about Vince Vaughn's characters that just aren't like. Uh, Oh, this like, guy's so nice. Like sympathetic towards him. Yeah, like Vince Vaughn yeah. always plays like the, you know, even if he's likable, he's just like the 
charismatic asshole a little bit. Like he makes yeah. like the, the 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 jabs at people. And if it would have been somebody who's like, yeah, just a little bit more like likable. I hate you to know, say that he isn't, but you know what I mean. One of the things, like the main thing that Stephen King didn't like about Kubrick Shining was that like the character of Jack Torrance in the book like isn't a complete asshole. Like he gets, he has a lot of beef and problems and alcohol and all this stuff. And then the ghost of everything like torments him into being an ass and yeah. being, you know, a murderer or whatever. But um, with Jack Nicholson, Stephen King just kind of felt like he was unlikable from the start. Like he was already of that oh, level of like he was an a-hole and, you know, it didn't actually give him any like winning qualities per se. Yeah. And I think it's kind of the same thing where it's like, you liked Anthony Perkins when you saw him, you sympathized with him, you were cool with him, but then you still rode with it when he was a murderer. And it's right. such a hard pick to be like, what actor can we find that's not going to outshine it, but it's also going to be likable, but then you know what happens. Yeah, and yeah, it's a good point too, because it's like, yeah, the remake is like, there is no uh, veil to be unlifted. You know, like it's a shot for shot remake, right? So you know what's going to yeah. happen. Um there was just I, something I really about me just... watching that and seeing that because again the anthony perkins yeah. like uh that scene when the psychiatrist says like what he did and then there's like the slow like onto his face and he just like lifts his head up and he smiles and yeah like, oh this creepy motherfucker like when vince vaughn did it i was just like throw this movie in the trash <laughs> throw it away i don't want to see this crap throw it in the trash throw it in the trash bro oh man this movie's so good it's such a good pick dylan I know. I love it. it was, <laughs> you know, it's my, my thing is, though, I I've know. always struggled over time about being what trying to figure out what my favorite Hitchcock thing was. Sure. Because I think there's a difference between something that's your favorite and something that's the best when mm, it comes to film. Yeah. And I was always thinking, what's my favorite Hitchcock film? But then what's the best Hitchcock film? And I eventually figured out that my favorite one was Psycho, was this. Yeah, but the best Hitchcock film was Vertigo, in my opinion. That one didn't do well, right? Vertigo, I can't when it came remember. out. Yeah, there's so know. many of those old Hollywood things, like It's a Wonderful Life and whatnot, that just bombed when they came out, and now they're just like yeah, absolute classics. classics. Yeah. yeah, like that are protected by the library. Vertigo, Congress, Vertigo you know? is really good. Like I, I won't, I won't, I won't. I, won't I just don't think that. he ever got anything that topped that. Because I don't really like North by Northwest as much as everyone else does. Yeah, I don't really know. Do I. I don't really know why. I just don't like enjoy it as much, and I'll you know I won't watch them the regular. Right. But there's something about Vertigo when it comes from cinematography, the music, the credit, whatever, the actors. Because I fucking love Jimmy Stewart with a passion. <laughs> I think he's probably like top ten best actors that have ever been in the game. Yeah. Um, and there's just i don't know there's just no way for vertigo to top it vertigo is literally half the reason why i agreed to go on our california vacation a couple years back wow and i dragged everyone around to as many of the filming locations in san francisco as i could find and it was beautiful shout out dylan i I was so upset I i had an itinerary of all the shots i went to the you know the the church missionary that he goes to where the tower was which doesn't exist yeah that she falls down i went to that oh wow the actual like physical location took pictures all around it i went beside the golden gate bridge where the homegirl kim novak jumps in the water 
Mm-hmm. I went to the like the apartments, all the streets, dude. I was obsessed. And then we stopped hey, at one of the streets where the Zodiac Killer shot the the taxi cab driver because oh. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> oh, he kills that role, bro. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. That's another. They ever find out who the Zodiac Killer was, by the way, like in real life? It's confusing because they, they'll do it every couple of years. They'll try to say like they have new evidence and it's this, but then when you watch the film, you kind of think it's two people, but then they kind of make you think that it's one person. So right. I don't know. I mean, you know either what? way, the brother got away with it. But you know what I'm excited about is this podcast is slowly becoming a true crime podcast. Oh, we should, we should, we should a do some of, true crime. A lot stuff, of man. people love true crime podcasts. And I love true crime, bro. I love it. We'll I do literally, we'll do, off, we'll do an offshoot. Well, for those that don't know, uh, this will come out on Friday of this week that you're hopefully listening to it. But we <laughs> recorded this. On the 25th, and there's three new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries out today. I'm about to watch it right after this. I'm so excited. Bro. You haven't seen that show, Unsolved Mysteries, though? Uh, yes, a lot. And Lee had me watch a new D.B. Cooper thing the other day because he's obsessed with Oh, D.B. Coops. And I can't lie. We figure out who it is. can't lie. got me interested. They figure out who it is yet? Or they still I don't know. know. But then I've heard a couple there. like people who said like my grandfather said on his deathbed, my- I am DB Goopa and yeah. died immediately. Honestly, <laughs> that's just a great joke at this point. Bro. Like to be on your deathbed and then just say like drop a secret like that. Be like Elvis is Come next close. door. Come He's still alive. And then just like ling- linger on like one word and they'd be like, What it what? The money is in, and then just fade out. Like, well, if if I if I if I go to my dad, like my dad's dying, and I'm like, Dad, I love you so much, son. I love you too. Come closer. Come closer. I shot Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> like what? You know what would be cool. even better is if, like, after he whispers that and he his last breath fades, just stand up, and be like, "Motherfucker, I knew it, you lying it. ass bitch." <laughs> See no change. <laughs> Come on, man. I seen it. (laughs) I knew it. Yeah, man. I I love true crime, bro. But yeah, yeah. Unsolved Mysteries is like, because there's something, uh, especially as a kid when it came out, like, there's Mm -hmm. something, or it came out well before I was a kid, but like, uh, there's something about that, uh, these crimes are like ongoing. Like, it's like, so-and-so is still on the loose. We still don't know who did this. And it's like, do you have any information? I used to, because I grew up in a... Who's that narrator's name? Uh, the one oh that passed away. Yeah, he was literally, he was what, for him in that show, was basically equivalent to, like, Rod Sterling in the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Like, the narrator made that shit, you know what I mean? I remember. Oh, I know. I was getting confused up, because, man. yeah, look it up. I, I was getting confused there's, I don't know if it's that show or America's Most Wanted, but there was one where. Yeah, America's started... Most Wanted used to always be like, if you see this man, like, at the yeah. end of it. But I think I think it was America's Most Wanted because the show started. The host was a victim. His son was like murdered. Oh, really? Yeah, like it was like his son was oh, murdered. I can't remember that guy's name. And then um, he was on it, like trying to find his son. And then obviously yeah. they found that he was murdered. And then he ended up doing the show. I, yeah, I, I know. I know I'm right. Don't uh, even. Ro- get Robert mad at Stack me, is the uh, the narrator Unsolved for Mysteries? Unsolved Mystery. Yeah. So then he, he passed away in 03, but that boy, that boy was born in 1919. Oh, my hallelujah. Lord. Hallelujah. He saw it all. A black president. I've seen it all. <laughs> Obama. Uh, <yeah. laughs> Obama. 
Oh man, John Walsh. Okay, here we go. That's the guy who did uh Yeah, John America's Walsh. Most Wanted. And I yeah. I guarantee you it's because of his son. Somebody I knew it was like his son died. Yeah, here we go. Murder of Adam Walsh. In summer of nineteen eighty one, Walsh was an official with Paradise Island Hotel Casino, worked in Hollywood, Florida, his him and his wife. Adam Adam was abducted from a Sears department store at Hollywood Mall across Hollywood Police Station. Reeve, and, Reeve had left Adam in the toy department at a model video game console at Sears while she looked for a lamp. When she returned several minutes later, Adam was missing. Police records uh, police records in Adam's case released in 1996 show a, that a 17-year-old security guard instructed four boys to leave the department store. Adam has has been thought to be one of them. Uh, 16 days after the abduction, his severed head was found in a drainage canal 120 miles away from his home. The rest of his body was never found. And because of that, uh, his dad started the show. Like, we need to find these people. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, bro. It's so crazy. Did his rest of his body, like, float off? They never found it. I don't know. That's they some Pennywise his... shit. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, that's some come float shit. But yeah, man, I, we we probably should do a true crime because I I can talk about this. You're getting shit all hype, day, I can bro. see it. <laughs> talk about this shit all day, bro. Oh, it's crazy. I'm telling you, the true crime. As long as like half the true crime podcast is also like a a, a mythical creature side, <laughs> like yeah. Bigfoot and Mothman, you know, we can yeah. get real deep. Uh, I meant to ask, does your dad? Because you said he was a big Hitchcock fan. Does your dad have a favorite from him? Uh, well, yeah, his is. Mm, I, I would say know. I would say it's Psycho, but uh, to be fair, he I remember when I uh, I was a huge fan of Disturbia, one of our lost episodes that we'll redo. Rip. Um, but when I I was a huge fan, I remember watching it with my dad, and my dad was um, yeah, because it's basically oh, Rear Window. It's Rear Window. It's Rear yeah. Window. And, so and my many dad was, people have remade Rear Window. Yeah, exactly. And my dad was like, "Oh, you you know, if you like this, you should really watch this movie." I mean, watch Rear Window, and it was like the first movie where. He kind of, not that my dad's like big into cameras or anything or anything like that, but he kind of showed me like, it was it was the first old movie I remember being like, this is cool. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, wow, this is like, he's right. This is exactly a movie I just watched just in this time period. And um, so I, I would say Psycho, but I, he it seemed like he knew the most about Rear Window. And maybe I'm wrong, probably knew more about other movies, but hmm. he... He, his his explanation of Rear Window and watching it with him is a memory I'll never forget because it was just, it felt like I was like in real time I'm making this connection with my dad about a movie he loves with a movie that I just saw that I loved and I totally understand the reference now that this yeah. director was coming from when he made this movie that he saw Rear Window and was like I can make this in modern times and I'll cast Shia LaBeouf you know what I mean <laughs> uh, nothing can go wrong nothing can go wrong his career is going to skyrocket from here I like uh, that though. Yeah, I haven't seen all of Hitch's stuff. Right. Yeah, I can't say that. I've I I've gone like through a bunch of them recently, like slowly. But outside of like the Mega Four, which is like Psycho, Vertigo, Rear Window, Birds, you know, right. I really enjoy Dial M for Murder, Ooh. which has uh, Grace Kelly in it again. That's your favorite. That one? No, no. Just oh, oh. I was right, just, no, like, Psycho is of course. Just Sorry. in terms of like his. Out, a little bit of outside like the main that every household gotcha. would know that one's funny because it was like filmed for 3d and then i've never actually got to see it displayed in 3d um because oh. that was yeah that year or two in the 50s you know as part of their combating television is 
trying to introduce, you know, 70 millimeter and 65 and super Panavision and 3d films. And yeah. I've never been able to see that in 3d, like it was shot and I would really love to, um, outside of that though, you got like shadow of a doubt, suspicion, notorious, all kinds of, uh, Cary Grant films. And yeah. weirdly one of his really early ones, uh, from 1935 called the 39 steps. I really enjoyed and it's got this old actor, Robert Donat, that I fucking love. And yeah, I really recommend that one. I think that one's on HBO Max, too. If you want to check it out. Yeah, it's, and it's also like, I mean, obviously, you know, it's kind of people usually don't rate older movies uh, yeah. low, but his 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 Rotten Tomato meter is off the charts. Off the charts. Like, yeah, it's just like <laughs> everything this man makes, everyone's like gold. It's fucking gold. And it's insane, it. too, because it wasn't like, you know, he made a movie and then four years later he made another movie. He literally was like back to back to back to back to back. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Rebecca's 1940. Suspicion's 41. Shadow of a Doubt's 43. You know, this 45. You know, it's one, two, insane. three, four movies. Well, a couple of shorts, but yeah. Four projects in 1944, bro. That's crazy. Like the, the run that he went on. Yeah, you know, was... in the fifties is like absolutely unprecedented. And then again, like I'm, I am scrolling up, scrolling up, and then 1960, which is like what, fifty movies in, you get to say yeah. because he was obviously he's you know a British man, so he was you know filming over in England for a long time before yeah. he made it to the states to then start filming. So he's you know very very seasoned. Um, what I really want to get to though is his later films that aren't as you know positively looked on. Um, like uh, Marnie, whatever, however you call it, I can't remember the name of that damn film. Uh, like Topaz, Family Plot, whatever, whatever. I really want to get to a bunch of those because I know they're not as liked. So I'm really interested to see, like, hmm. and dissect, like, what kind of happened. Is sure. it one of those like Pixar things where like it was, it was only gold for so long, and then it kind of just te- you know teetered off? Or I- I'd love to really kind of figure that out. He's got the neck of a turkey. <laughs> My, one of the best <laughs> things about Hitchcock is he isn't just like, oh, there's a white guy and he's a director. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has such an iconic ass look that it's like just his silhouette would be used. And you were like, oh, it's Hitchcock. You know Hitchcock, what I mean? Baby. Like right off the bat. You like, see I that, show you see you. that chin yeah. and that penguin waddle? That's Hitchcock, yeah. baby. You know what I mean? His nose, you know, the yeah. hair. Hell yeah. Iconic, bro. Iconic. I like, you know, there's people d- debate all day about the, the greatest. Yeah. But I, I, when it comes to horror films, like I, it, come on, man. I also feel like Hitch was one of the original people to have like a uh, Adam Sandler-esque crew. Of oh, he just that, repeats the same. Constantly, yeah. yeah. Constantly working with uh, composer Bernard Herrmann, you know, constantly working with Saul Bass to do titles and storyboards. Um, the yeah, same kind people. of actors, Jimmy Stewart in, um, you know, the man who knew too much and Virgo, mm. rear window, etc. Then you had like Grace Kelly and a bunch of things and the Hitchcock blonde, which we forgot to mention so far too. Oh yeah. Some curious reason that he always employed blonde actresses into his film and then just mm. kind of loved them. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging it. It's interesting. I got a type. I got a type. You got a type. <laughs> we all got a type. Man. But I think it's, I think it's cool though. I like that. I like when directors find like a crew that they like to yeah. work with. 
like actor wise and they just kind of were like hey yeah, i got my newest film for you you know what I mean? right you see it you see it now with uh uh one of my favorite directors now is mike flanagan you know him from uh mm-hmm. haunting of hill house he did to me one of the greatest uh sequels ever to a og classic in dr sleep which is a sequel to um the shining my plan uh, is if anybody really wanted to know what my favorite uh stephen king book is because i'm a big king fan it's dr sleep which is kind of nuts to me did you did you like dr sleep the mike flanagan uh, i did i did because i I respected the fact that like they tried to make the book, but at the same time, they knew that the public only really knew the Cooper the version. Yeah, so he, he made did a like fan. He said it in a. He I, made I like a mix interview. of both. It was great. I watched an interview with him, and he literally said that it was literally. He was like, "My hardest job was to adapt the the book that I love to film, while also understanding that most people only know the movie." Yeah, because there was no yeah. way to properly do the book because it followed the previous book and there was so much so many differences and yeah that, that, and how the movie that didn't happen went. in the shining exactly it couldn't the movie follow it so he did such a great job of making like a hybrid that i was really blown away yeah but that book is like my favorite book it's my favorite stephen king one so far yeah the movie's great and as i, I try I, to read all of them it's just i read it i think i read it once a year now it became that for me which is fucking great and I, uh, I feel like with uh, Flanagan now, um, what Hitchcock did back then it was it's it's almost like he created a movie universe when it comes to Hitchcock films. Like it, it's just like when you enter the mind of Hitchcock. Hmm. Um, and I and I like when directors Jordan Peele's kind of doing it now, where it's like you you find their movies and you're entering someone's like world. They have yeah. When I think the best directors, they have a flavor. Like when yeah. you're watching a Hitchcock film, you're like, oh, I just saw the camera move and the camera gave us a clue about who the killer is. This is a fucking Hitchcock film. You know right. what I mean? Right. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel free to disagree with me because I'm sure many people do. But I feel like the thing that sets apart like a Spielberg is I feel like Spielberg can make a lot of good movies. Mm-hmm. But there's some movies where if you told me they were directed by Steven Spielberg, I'd be like, oh, cool. I didn't know until you told me. You know what I mean? It's a good movie, but like if you told me Ready Player One was directed by Steven Spielberg, I'd be like, oh shit, that's awesome. But you like, there's nothing to me that's in there that would have been like, oh, that's Spielberg. You know what mm. I mean? Like, I just feel like he's a really good director. You just give him the tools and he's going to make a good movie. Whereas there's some directors to me that feel like I'm only doing these movies because they fit in my universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not. I can't see Jordan Poole directing the next Transformers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like I'm doing my set of movies because these feel personal to me. And some directors are like, I can do anything. Like, give me a script, and I and I, I can rock. Like, we, I can make something that works. You know? What yeah. I mean? There were there were many old school like 40s, 30s, 50s directors that like directed sci-fi. They directed westerns. They right. directed Marilyn Monroe pictures. Like, they were very oh. versatile. But then you got people like Tarantino, and if you see a lady's feet on the screen, you're like, "Oh, it's a Tarantino it film." Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. like you feel that you. Uh, same thing with like writers too. It's like, oh, you hear that snappy dialogue? Oh, it's an Aaron Sorkin film the, right Aaron here. Sorkin, uh, you know Wes I mean? Anderson. Like it's just like you're, oh, you're yeah. entering a, a universe, Jeez. and almost you know more I mean? than any director that is in the game, 
you absolutely know when it's a Wes Anderson picture. Exactly. And, and I, it's fantastic because I love it, you know? Right, exactly. And I, the style. And there's no, it's absolutely no shade to other directors that don't do that. Because, again, you yeah. make great movies regardless. But I have a lot of respect when it's like, this is, I'm, you're, you're coming into my world. This is, yeah. this is a world that I have crafted, I have created. And you know the minute you see it, I yep. entered, you know, whoever's, you know, Wes Anderson, whoever. I think that's what that's what makes Jordan Peele special, though, like you were saying. Yeah. Just within three quick films, he's already just distinguished himself and his style. Right. You know, he's came with his own voice. That's a really good example. And I feel like uh, Hitchcock to me, and again, maybe it was because of like me buying my dad that like Hitchcock presents and that kind of stuff. Like, it felt like it was like, oh, I'm in the world of Hitchcock and Right now, other than Jordan Poole, another director, I feel like that's starting to do that in the genre of horror is Mike Flanagan. He's he's very good at making this like uh, he like he has a movie called Oculus that has like a mirror in it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen Oculus. It's no, about a haunted. It's about a haunted mirror. Um, and in all of his movies, I think except for Doctor Sleep, to pay respect for the fact that it's like a well known like you know movie and book, he he puts that mirror in everything. Interesting. So the mirror from Oculus will always appear somewhere. There's like he puts these little he, again. He used like his wife is uh, an actor and actress, sorry, and she's in a lot, of, almost everything that he shoots. She's in it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, like a, it's like Tim Burton. Yeah, it's it's like, when you brought up Adam Sandler. Like when you he see uses her, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like he uses the same actors in a lot of his stuff. Like you'll be like, oh, that's the chick from this TV show that he did on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. He's very good at like creating a universe and i really like it when directors do that i think i think it's really cool when people do that it's fun it's really fun too because then they get a certain style and a certain you know certain flavor and then it's interesting when they'll do like a whole 180 yeah they'll exactly do like an unexpected script or they'll do like a, a weird kind of movie you know because most people will always you know just remember george lucas for doing you know star wars blah 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 right the film he did right before star wars was american graffiti which is like you know teen kids racing around in cars and cali and it's just like this is the same guy you know what i mean right right it's always after that and do red tails or whatever it was but that's red tails uh, producer on it, I believe. Oh, he produced it. I thought he directed. But that's it. what Spielberg reminds me of. Like, there's certain things he'll do, camera wise, lighting wise, that give him away sometimes. But Spielberg reminds me of like an old school director where he just has many hats. He can make a historical documentary, then he can make a sci-fi film, then he yeah. can make like a war film. You know what I mean? And they're always quality pictures. Yeah, exactly. And that's doesn't like, no necessarily shame, like, mean that he's stuck in one thing, you know? Yeah, it just felt like it feels like uh, if uh, if I'm comparing it to like a sports or something, like if I feel like Spielberg's like LeBron, like he's mm. he's good at everything. You know what I mean? Like there really isn't <laughs> anything that he's like bad at. He can make any like he makes, you know, Schindler's List the greatest like <laughs> historic epic i've ever seen in my entire life he's he crushes it he makes jaws one of the greatest horror movies ever made indiana jones like it's like he he's so good at being like i'm gonna make this and it's gonna be one of the best to ever grace the genre but then again there's other directors who are like i'm gonna stick in my own little bubble and you'll never be able to do my thing better than me ever i think yeah you know when it comes to spielberg i just feel like there's never been like another director almost that has understood 
the fact that like you know film is across the board just a way to like he understands that every facet of film is to you know create art that you could go in and, and tweak everything with the sound that you can go in and mess with the picture that you can go in and mess with this and mess with that yeah and that you could push everything to the absolute limit to create something that's just this amazing spectacle and i right. think like more than anyone he just understands like oh this is an art form and all these pieces are here and i just have to gear up and guide everyone like as best i can yeah and just make magic man he's very good at what he does so good dude but i said we say all that to say none of these dudes would be doing what they're doing without what hitchcock <laughs> did in 1960 with it with high psycho the man is insane the man is insane any any final thoughts man on psycho dude on the on a fantastic pick for this halloween episode uh, this, i will say we went and that was one of the things on the cali trip was i dragged us to go to universal mm-hmm. to go on the back lot tour so i could see the <laughs> the motel and everything like that it's motel yeah it's weird because it's like everything that happens from you know all these killings and whatnot it's like yeah you shouldn't really enjoy like the true, true crime thing but it's weird that people get such a kick out of learning about it you know what i mean yeah and psycho is one of those things that it's like it's weird to to have it as like a favorite like it's not like a feel good picture, yeah. but there's just something about the movie that um, I had talked about it before when it came to John Carpenter's The Thing. This was like probably the first film that I got this sense of um, atmosphere when you watch a movie mm. to not just be like, oh, I'm watching this and it's entertainment and, you know, I'm going to watch a movie and then I'm going to be out. Yeah, When you watch it, you're bathed in like this just weird atmospheric thing where it's like i'm in this i'm watching it and i'm living it yeah you know it's not just a form of entertainment like it's creating like this weird environment around you where you feel that it's 100 percent real and psycho is one of those special films because even though it's older and you could be like well that didn't work and that was outdated and the dialogue it's still to this day is entrancing to me and i think that's what makes it so strong you know yeah no i totally agree man i feel like uh with this pick um this brought me back again to my pops showing me hitchcock movies and uh horror is my favorite genre of film like i you know people who watch us or who watch who listen to me on tiktok or whatever like they know that I, I like nostalgic films and like I do enjoy many of the films we watched growing up. But if you're going to ask me like the Halloween season, the September through October 31st, like that's my favorite time to go to the movies because I, I love horror. It's the one genre of film that though you can leave a Marvel movie and feel like Spider-Man or, or Black Panther, or whoever, like those kind of movies do make you feel a certain thing. There's something about a horror movie that you leave the theater you go home and if it's good it sits with you yeah you 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 lock the door and maybe you get up and make sure you locked it yeah. you may lock windows that you've never checked before you may walk to your the car in the parking lot and maybe rush a little bit to get into the car because these movies stick with you it's something yeah. that you feel like you feel uneasy and I, and i and you know i always think about um again my my pops being a police officer 
we my mom was on some kind of I don't know where she was. She was she wasn't in our house. And my pops took me to go see The Strangers, which is oh jeez, uh, top five for me. One of my one of the greatest horror movies ever made, in my opinion. And that I remember coming home and my pops being like, "All right, I'm gonna lock everything downstairs. <laughs> I need you to lock this." And I was like, "Got you." Locked it. I went to my room, and I remember my pops coming in maybe like two hours later and was like, "Yo, you want to sleep on the floor in our bedroom?" <laughs> And I was like, yeah. And I remember that night I slept on the floor because we were both yeah. terrified. Like he was, needed you more than you needed yeah, it was, him. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like, but like, uh, to be fair, him ask. I was in my room petrified, like praying. Yeah, yeah like I was so scared. But I, I wasn't like, I'm not gonna tell my dad like, hey, you mind if I sleep with you? So I'm just gonna stay here. But then when he asked, I was like, yeah. oh, bro, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I also because it was like that movie again, though based on true events, being you know super finger points here like you know based on true events it still felt like this crap can happen and again uh norman bates is based off of a real dude these kind of events kind of happen you know what yeah. I mean? so it, it it makes it like that much creepier because when you watch these things you're like this couldn't happen could it and yeah. then when you hear that it does you're like oh shit you know what i mean yeah. like it, and then Hitchcock bringing it to an uh, another level with again the score, the the cinematography of it all. It's just just like it, it, he 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 also found a way to make it beautiful. It's 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 awesome, yeah, the, man. I, I love the shower movies. thing alone ruined like generations of people from having curtains that weren't yeah. like clear, like right. or locking the bathroom. Like, you imagine how many people like shower. couldn't take a shower with yeah with a curtain or yeah. fucking I don't care if my whole bathroom is soaking wet. It's I'm just not... forever. <laughs> it's just forever <laughs> changed like the idea of a bathroom for you, yeah. which is insane because it's like oh remember that um, the last the thing... minute the soap goes yeah. in your eyes you're like oh crap oh, just... like, yeah yeah I gotta get it off <laughs> like Sorry, running to your room off. after you turn the lights off it's like yeah. yeah monsters can't get me they're afraid of light <laughs> right i didn't mean to cut you off and what were you saying no you're good i was gonna say the last thing i remember was um we had a class in in like high school like junior senior year that was like film studies so we were just mm -hmm. watching movies and we watched psycho and it was nice because a lot of the kids hadn't seen it and it was like one girl in particular who hadn't seen it and this is how i knew that like this film was beyond one of those like oh it stood the test of time it was one of those that like it was just gonna be a tom brady it was gonna be unstoppable like <laughs> yeah no matter time when was not gonna slow it, it down yeah. and <laughs> it got really to, good <laughs> it got to uh it got to the towards the end of the picture where uh martin balsam's character gets killed the detective and mm. there's that like overhead shot of the mom coming out and they're trying to hide that it's norman he gets stabbed yeah. There's a musical cue there, and then she comes out, and it's, like, really sharp and fast. Mm -hmm. And the girl, like, behind me that hadn't seen it just, like, gasped or exclaimed, like, out loud. Ooh. And, like, completely, completely got her. And now, you know, I think me and the teacher were both like, damn, this thing's got juice. Like, 1960, and we're watching it, you know, in the 2000s. Like, yeah, it's, it's one of those that things of that, that's crazy. yeah, I think that's more of what i was alluding to where it's like you know it's more than just being like okay here's it's a good movie it's like no it's it's this whole you know atmosphere that it creates that that permeates into you you know what i mean to this day it's I can, crazy, man. i can understand when if someone takes a film course in college and they yeah. study this movie i can understand i'll i i can watch 
and I, I don't care if I'm in a minority. I can watch Citizen Kane eight times and still not really understand. Dude, you're not alone. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> I, I I get that it, it was one of the first or whatever to do whatever, but like yeah. every time I watch a movie, I'm like, ah, I, I guess, bro. It's it's whenever whatever. someone's asked me for like a, a ten or twenty film list or something to dip their toes into, like older pictures or classic yeah. movies i've never fucking given someone citizen kane on that yeah, list I, just... I will give you casablanca psycho stagecoach till i die i will not yeah. give you citizen kane dude i can't um, do i'm it. sorry i'm I so glad we picked it. this film dude i love learning more about your parents for some reason and i oh yeah, your dad sounds your dad sounds so cool man I love yeah him. he's a, yeah one of these days if he ever comes down here we got to do a black exploitation film we got to sure. bring your parent to work day yeah for sure yeah yeah we, get, we, do, we definitely we get, should you said you watch we'll all movies with your dad. So yeah, we'll get. Yeah. We should actually. Yeah, yeah we're definitely. Dad we're, we're gonna have Leon soon, so I'm pretty hyped. Father's Day. We do a Father's Day episode. Yes. When is there Father's Day? Is that June or something? June. Yeah, we got some time. Oh, okay. We got some time. We could do something. But anyway, man, it's been Cam. It's been Dylan. Spooky episode of uh, Extra Brother. Uh, right after this, we'll have the season finale. We finally got Felipe on for all, everyone who's. Uh, we finally Damn. got him. Deliver you that rat story. Oh man, that is going to be a two-parter. So stay tuned for that. Um, yes, sir. Anyway, thanks for staying along for the ride, man. It's been fun. Thank you. Can't wait Thank to bring you. you guys more episodes, dude. And the uh, spinoff podcast, uh, True Crime. We, sh- I'm, I'm not even lying to you, bro. We I'm should. dead ass. <laughs> I'm dead ass. Man. It's true crime and um, UFOs. <laughs> true crime and true urban crime. legends. True yeah. crime. Yeah, there it is. I couldn't. Yeah, I don't know English yeah, yeah, at this yeah, time. Yeah. Tonight, but, <laughs> exactly. Uh, true crime and, and urban legends. Yeah, we uh, should. We we'll should. go. We'll do one out in the woods. We'll do an on location in the woods as I try my Bigfoot call out. There it is. I just get. Yeah, it's man. just gonna be me in the woods going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your boy. <laughs> your boy. <laughs> Later, guys. Uh, peace out, people.